Yes, sir. Keith, have you any explanation to the appearance of this sailor? Horrible, you heard my order on shirt tails. Sir, I got a heat rest. Well, tuck your shirt in now. Sir, the captain won't let me. Of course not. I want you to see what a rotten job you're doing, Mr. Keith. Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn, this is Tarzan. Tarzan, this is Gwendolyn. Cease present exercises and return to base. Well done. Out. Roger. Thank you, sir. We're heading back. Right standard rudder. And now, Mr. Keith, first of all, do you or don't you have an explanation for this? Well, sir, I was on the phone. I didn't ask for an alibi. Evidently, my orders mean very little to you. Sir, I'm completely at fault. But I tried my best. Your best, Mr. Keith, is only a maximum of inefficiency. You said yourself he cracked. I'm glad you brought that up, Mr. Painter, because that's a very pretty point. You know, I left out one detail on the court-martial. Wouldn't have helped our case any. Tell me, Steve, after the Yellowstone business, Queen came to you guys for help and you turned him down, didn't you? Yes, we did. You didn't approve his conduct as an officer. He wasn't worthy of your loyalty. So you turned on him. You ragged him. You made up songs about him. If you'd given Queen the loyalty he needed, do you suppose the whole issue would have come up in the typhoon? You're an honest man, Steve. I'm asking you. Do you think it would have been necessary for you to take over? It probably wouldn't have been necessary. Yeah. If that's true, then we were guilty. Ah, you're learning, Willie. You're learning that you don't work with a captain because you like the way he parts his hair. You work with him because he's got the job or you're no good. Yeah, little column A, little column B. First of all, I just want to tell you what a great show you got. I listen to you all the time. Thank you, thank you. What do you want to talk about? Hey, did I tell you guys I got a goat? Yeah, baby! <laughs> Well, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, wherever you are, whatever you do. A lot of things happening in the world today. Most of them are far beyond our control, you might say. So perhaps it's time we took a pause and thought about life, thought about the laws of gravity, the news, coronavirus, the Navy, politics, and or the news. Don't touch that dial. Just try to hear me out for a little while, especially today. Got a lot to say. So the captain of the USS Theodore Roosevelt was relieved the other day. And this seems to have caused a political firestorm. Why? Well, that's part of the problem, isn't it? Like the USS McCain and the ships before that with the collision. It's amazing how many all of a sudden nautical experts there are, Navy experts there are on Facebook. And here's the problem. All of them are wrong. What else is new? Am I right? Here's how you get a hold of me. The text machine is Erico 209-565-DAVE. It's 209-565-3283. The email dave at thedavebowmanshow.com. And, of course, we're on the web. Choose your preferred non-denominational web search browser to take you to thedavebowmanshow.com. Or look for The Dave Bowman Show on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes. Ego Baberi Kapoulos at Olive Averb. I drink coffee so that others might live. Yes, I know the microphone's in a different place. My boom broke. That's my making do. Sorry. Can't believe you really want to look at my mug that much anyway. But let me uh, let me caveat today's show a little bit. So, two things I want you to know. Number one, this is a show that numerous people asked me to talk about this topic. It wasn't a topic that I would have picked, but there was enough interest in it, enough people that 
wanted to know specifically what I think about it, but I uh, got together now, Monday instead of Thursday, which is when I normally would do the show, and put this together for you. Uh, Number two, I want you to save your comments until the end of the show. If you're watching this on Facebook Live, just put your hands in your pockets or on your lap. I want you to, if you're listening to it on podcast and you've got your email program open, just put it away. Okay? I'm going to piss you off. I'm just going to tell you that at least half of you are not going to like what I have to say. But wait until the end of what I have to say. At the end of this, if you can honestly answer the question that I'm going to leave you with, then maybe we can have a conversation. But otherwise, I just don't really think there's that much to talk about. I really don't. That said, I will proceed on. I will ignore all comments that are made prior to the end of the show. If you send me an email in which it is evident that you did not listen to the entirety of the show and you do not answer the question, I will just delete your email. Because it's obvious that you're more about a political argument than you are about What's really going on here? The Navy is what it is, folks. It is not a yacht club. Okay? I don't know where people get this mentality that it is, but it isn't. It is a fighting force. It is a warship. It's a group of warships that are designed to break things, destroy things, kill people. That's what the Navy does. And we have to be ready to do that all the time. We have been... In a state of war, I don't know if you knew this or not, we've been in the state of war since 2001. Every day, there are existential threats, physical threats to the United States of America, which the armed forces, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marines, and the Coast Guard, have to be prepared to meet. And you have to meet those threats with violent force. And to achieve that violent force requires... Several things. One, it requires equipment that is top-notch, or at least workable. Number two, it requires an immense amount of training. An immense amount of training. I was a ballistic missile fire controlman. I, frankly, I'm I'm just going to say it, I was the best one there was, but take that for what it's worth. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that I trained for almost two years before the United States Navy, the Navy paid me for two years before they ever let me near a submarine, ever. They made sure that I was competent, that I was trustworthy, that I was trainable. That's the big one right there. Because even after two years of schooling, basic training, submarine school, A school, C school, and uh, even a a, uh, a tech school, after all of that, that's when your training starts, when the, the day you report to the boat and they say, okay, now you can actually begin to learn things. You can begin to learn your submarine qualifications. You can learn, begin to learn your watch qualifications, and you actually begin to learn your job. In fact, it was nearly another year before I was doing an FTB's job because I wasn't ready to do it yet. I still had things to learn. You could make the argument that three years of training went into me sitting down at that panel 
before I ever put a finger on it to even change it to fire control test mode. Now, maybe that's extreme, maybe that's hyperbole, but it's it's true. Before I ever qualified fire control supervisor, it took about three years. Just a little under, actually, but, you know, be that as it may. The Navy needs people who are highly trained. They need people who are trainable. They need equipment that works. And they need people who are willing to do what has to be done, who will follow orders. Now, you hear a lot of this BS about only you have to only follow lawful orders. And you will hear a lot of Philadelphia lawyers and a lot of E4 mafia people use that phrase. Well, we only have to follow lawful orders. Well, who gets to decide what's a lawful order, numbnuts? Who gets to decide that? Okay, if my captain orders me to kill someone, you know, like a mob hit, I want you to execute that guy over there. Okay, that's an unlawful order. Duh. But it's also hyperbole. No CO is ever going to do that. No officer is ever going to do that. No chief is ever going to do that. And if they do, you will not be in trouble for going to your chain of command and going, I got a problem with I got a problem with what he's told me to do. And I don't know if this is lawful or not. That's how you handle a questionable order. That's how you handle something that you're not sure about. You ask a simple question. Okay? And that question, by the way, is not why. Because the answer to the question why is because you were ordered to do it. It doesn't matter what it was. Bowman, go clean the forward head. Uh, Bowman, go grease muzzle hatches. Bowman, get qualified chief of the watch. Bowman, do this. Why? Because it's your freaking job, moron. Do it. Okay. I'm, I'm with you there. I can, I can accept that. And I can begin to understand those things. Which is why, when we turn to this question about the Theodore Roosevelt and what has developed over this case, and one of the reasons I don't like talking about cases like this is because we don't know the entirety of the story. We, we just don't know, folks. We have what we see in the newspaper and what we see on television and what we see on Twitter. We do not know what actually happened aboard that ship. We, we, we don't know. And we're probably, I know this sounds weird, but we're probably never going to know. That's the reality of the world. It's like the Tiger King video. I don't know if I was telling Rod today, I, I, uh, I watched that, and I watched the whole thing. I binge-watched. It's kind of funny if you think about it, because I don't binge-watch stuff, but I binge-watched that. But there's a scene in there where the Tiger King is running for the governor of the state of Oklahoma. And in running for the governor of the state of Oklahoma, he comes in third. He gets 19% of the vote. And they show you a graphic. He's first place, second place, third place, the Tiger King. 19% of the vote. And you look at that and you go, wow, Oklahomans gave him 19% of the vote? Wow, he must be really popular. He, he must have really resonated in a very Trump-like way with these people. And they just leave it there and they go on their way. And what you don't know, what they never tell you is, he finished third in the Libertarian primary. He got 660-some-odd votes. That's it. So... While it's technically true that he finished third, it's not the complete story. It's not everything. And when it comes to the world of the Navy and the military in general, there's a thing called need to know. And if you don't need to know something, 
they're not going to tell you. And everything you read from all of these people that have opinions about this whole thing, ask yourself a simple question before you react to what they say. Do they have a need to know what went on aboard that ship? And if the answer is no, they're not a crew member, they're not a member of the chain of command, they're not a member of whatever that's related to that ship, they don't know anything, folks. They have opinions. Everything you're seeing is an opinion, except for the statements and the information from the people who have the need to know. That's it. That's all, that's all you really need to know about all this. I mean, that, that could literally be my whole thing here, right? You, 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 you don't know. I don't know. I don't have a need to know. Believe it or not, the Navy does not call me up and go, hey, Dave, we're going to do this. Uh, we want to know what your opinion is going to be about it before. What are you going to talk about it before, before they do it? As far as the Navy's concerned, <laughs> who's Dave? Uh, we appreciate the fact that he was in the Navy. We appreciate the fact that he loves the Navy. We appreciate the fact that he talks well of the Navy. But you know what? He's not on the checklist of people who have a need to know about what went on aboard Theodore Roosevelt or any other ship for that matter. And so, everything I tell you from this point forward is my opinion. That's it. That's all it is. It's opinion based on the limited amount of factual evidence that we have. Not what I heard, not what I saw on Twitter, not what CNN reported, none of that. It's what we know. And beyond that, I really couldn't care less. I really couldn't. We know that the USS Theodore Roosevelt was deployed to the Western Pacific Ocean, and in recently it visited Vietnam. We know that they made a port call in Vietnam some weeks ago, and that that port call is somewhat under question. But again, did the captain himself just say, hey, we're going to go to Vietnam? No, he didn't just do that. He was directed to do that, strike Theodore Roosevelt's strike group arrives in Vietnam. The entire strike group went. The entire strike group is under the command of a rear admiral who makes the decision what the entirety of the, the fleet is going to do, or the task group, the strike group is what they call them now. The captain of the Theodore Roosevelt did not decide on his own just to go to Vietnam and pop in there and say, hi, show the flag, we're your friends now, and that, that didn't happen. So everybody you see out there questioning that, going, why did they go to Vietnam? The captain did that on his own. It's, it's, it's bullshit, folks. The strike group went because that's what the strike group had been ordered to do. So they went. Were proper precautions taken? I don't know. I wasn't there. I assume that some precautions were taken because they're in a port of a communist country that we're friendly with but not allied with. So I'm assuming that there were some precautions taken. I'm sure that the sailors who went on leave were told, don't do this, 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 and this. And of course, as sailors, they probably ignored that. And some exposure was probably made. That's reality. The return of the ship to, to the, the, the entire strike group back out leaves that question open. In other words, there are multiple ships in this strike group. Folks, there's an aircraft carrier, there are a couple of cruisers, there's destroyers, there's probably a submarine or two, there's a support ship, 
there are multiple ships in the Roosevelt Strike Group. I don't have the list in front of me. You could probably Google and find it yourself. I'm sure that somebody has, has listed all of those ships, right? Are we reading anything about any of the other ships being exposed in the same way? If we were, would it not make sense that if the other ships also went on leave and contracted this in Vietnam, we'd be reading about the other ships as well? And we may yet. We don't know. But we're not right now, or at least I'm not. Which would indicate to me that something else may have happened aboard TR. Again, I don't know. I'm speculating. Speculation is nothing to base an opinion upon. It's not a fact. To me, it seems likely, or possible at least, that other ships should have been involved with the exposure and don't appear to be. At least we haven't been told that yet. Now, again, the Navy has also clamped down saying, no, we're not going to report any more sailors at sea being sick. We're just not going to do that, which makes sense again in a, in a very Navy way. Makes a lot of sense to me. So it's possible. But as of right now, we do not have any other captains writing emails to people saying, my ship is being ravaged by this by this disease, we need, we need help, and thus creating political firestorms that have led people to, to tweet things like Daystrin here. Normally, I would remove those, but if you're going to criticize this, the Navy, then you're going to put it on the table. Real Donald Trump murders American soldiers. Who will hold him accountable? America demands justice. Well, the problem, dipshit, is that sailors aren't soldiers, and what did Donald Trump have to do with this? Zip point nada, dude. Zip point nada. Ship went to Vietnam. At some point it was exposed. We don't know what that point was. Captain ultimately sends out his email and is relieved for that email. Do you know that? That's why he was relieved, was for the, for the email. The, Navy's, the Secretary's Navy's statement makes that extraordinarily clear. The email was sent over an open channel, not encrypted, it was not, repeat, not cleared by the strike force commander first. In other words, Captain Crozier, whether you like him or not, whether you think he's a hero or not, did not do the one thing that every sailor that ever lived has had pounded into them from the day they arrived at basic training or the Naval Academy. You follow the chain of command. Even if you think it's an unlawful order, you go sideways on the chain of command. If your CEO tells you to murder somebody, you go to the XO and say, help. If your LPO tells you something that's weird, leading petty officer, you go to your chief. If your chief tells you something weird, you go to your divo. There are processes for this that are as old as the United States Navy, as the British Navy, as the Royal Navy, as every Navy that ever sailed the seven seas. Do you understand that? You do not go outside of the chain of command. And if you do, you better have a damn good excuse. Now, you could argue that Captain Crozier had a damn good excuse. My ship is being rocked. I'm responsible for the safety and security of these sailors. And my, my, my ship needs help. And you would be correct. And I would be correct by saying, I would agree with Captain Crozier, your ship needs help. But you don't send that request via an unsecured email bypassing your strike force commander. Now, again, this isn't my opinion. 
This isn't something that I think happened. This isn't something that I read on Twitter. This is what the Secretary of the Navy said, folks. The Secretary of the Navy made this statement. You can read it for yourself at Navy.mil. The captain bypassed that chain of command. And more so in bypassing that chain of command, what he did that was even worse was he had been on a phone call that morning, a secure phone call, allegedly or probably with the Strike Force commander and the Pacific Fleet commander and the Secretary of Navy or somebody representing him talking about this very issue and what the Navy was going to do. Do you know that over the weekend, the crew of the Roosevelt was evacuated from the ship and be put into hotels? The CB battalion had everything built and set up for them, whisked them right away. Well, how did that happen if the Navy was just going, we don't know what to do. We don't know. We don't know nothing. We just got our thumbs up our asses. We don't know shit. Do you really think that the United States Navy did that? Because I don't. I think, I think the United States Navy is probably as spooked as anyone else right now and looked at this and went, crap, one of our biggest ships, one of our best assets, one of our most important strategic assets has a major problem. What are we going to do to solve that? Let's get the CBs on Guam, get them to build isolation tents as they come off the ship. Let's get them in the hotels. Let's rent all that stuff, which all the way, by the way, doesn't happen like that. It takes time. It takes orders. It takes logistics. It takes movement. And Captain Crozier, by the way, knows that. How does he know that? Because he's a freaking 06 in the United States Navy. He knows that. He also knows, and I mean knows, without the shadow of a doubt, beyond, it's as certain as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, folks. He knows what's going to happen the instant he sets send on an unsecure email that went to God knows who outside of his chain of command. How did that get to the newspapers, you may be asking? How did that get to the media? Hmm, who in the Navy would release this, especially when the Navy's policy was, we don't release this kind of stuff? (laughs) Well, Captain Crozier knew that. So how does he get it to somebody he wants? The fact of the matter is, folks, that Captain Crozier is well aware of Navy regulations. He's well aware of Navy procedures. He's well aware of all of these things. He's well aware because he's been steeped in this that the responsibility of the commanding officer for his or her command is absolute, except when and to the extent to which he or she has been relieved therefrom by competent authority or provided otherwise in these regulations. The authority of the commanding officer is commensurate with his or her responsibility, while the commanding officer may, at his or her discretion, and when not contrary to law or regulations, Delegate authority to subordinates for the execution of details, such as delegation of authority, shall in no way relieve the CEO of continued responsibility for the safety, well-being, efficiency of the entire command. Believe me, I have to read that to you because I'm not an officer. I'm not an 06. I guarantee you, because I've had the things that I had to have in that form, I guarantee you Crozier can recite that from memory. I guarantee you. He knew what he was doing, folks. He knew what he was doing, and he knew why it was doing it. The fact of the matter is, maybe he feels like this was the best thing for his crew. Maybe he really felt like the Navy was ignoring him. They weren't, but maybe he felt like that. 
And instead of going to the down the hall passageway, sorry, to the strike force commander and saying, dude, excuse me, rear admiral, we got a problem. And this is my concern. I'm bringing it to you as my senior officer, as my commanding officer. I don't believe that my ship is, is ready for combat. I don't believe that it is. What are we going to do? Instead of doing that, he fired off an email over an unsecured channel. I don't give a rat's ass what his reasoning was. I don't care why he did it. I don't care what, his, what was in his heart, what was in his intent. I don't care. Because that's not how he was trained to do it. It's not how he was taught to do it. And it's not the way he'd do it in the Navy. And you've probably seen the video of him leaving the ship and the career crew cheering for him. I can tell you honestly, we never did that for any of my captains. I had two captains of my ship. And while I hold them both in high esteem, I hold one in greater esteem. Not because the other guy was any worse or anything like that. I just had a better, I just had a closer relationship to him. I knew him better. Okay. If Captain Conway called me tonight, if my phone rang right now and said, hey, Dave, it's Captain Conway. I need you to do this for me in the morning. I'd be up all night practicing to make sure I could get it done because I trust him that much. Clearly, this crew trusted Captain Crozier, and I get that. The problem is, what now? The problem is Captain Crozier, and he knows this has left the next CEO of this ship, which right now temporarily is the executive officer, in the position of being just like Captain Quig in the McCain Mutiny. He's going to inherit a ship with a crew that thinks that their previous captain was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh, the previous captain was, was great. We loved him. And so when this new captain starts trying to do things by the book, by the regulations, how's that crew going to react? Hmm? And you can say whatever you want to me about what Captain Crozier did was great. But my question to you, and the question you have to address, the question you have to answer, because most of you that I'm talking to are not sailors. You've never been on a ship. You've never stood a deck watch. You've never worked with an officer. You've never done any of that. The question you have to ask yourself is, what kind of mess did Crozier's actions leave for the next guy? And is that really what an officer of the United States Navy is supposed to do? I know what my answer to that is. I'm curious what your answer is. And in the late breaking development, we've learned that Captain Crozier had the COVID, has the COVID. It's very possible that his actions were feverish. Who knows? We don't know the whole story. What we do know is there's a mess that's going to have to be cleaned up. I'm glad I don't have to do it. And you should be glad you don't have to do it either. At the end of the day, that's what matters. Follow the regulations. None of this happens. I got to go. Take the time right now. Tell the people that matter in your life. You love them very much. You'd miss them if they weren't there. So don't pass up those opportunities. Don't want to have that regret. Plausibly Live, I'm Dave Bowman. I'll be back on Thursday. See you later in the week, everybody. The Dave 
Bowman Show is a Slippery Fish Entertainment production for the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. For more information or to complain about how the show offended you, the text or voicemail number is 209-565-DAVE. For more information about the show, log on to thedavebowmanshow.com. Hey, I'm going to go do something productive. I'm going to go watch television.